0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Weekly Roundup, the first of 2023. At the end, I'm gonna talk a little bit about some things I'd like to see change in retro RGB this year, but I don't wanna waste anybody's time, so let's just jump right in with everything that's been going on in the past week. First, Todd from RetroFrog has just released an adapter that allows you to mount a 2.5 inch hard drive or SSD into your original Xbox, which originally had a 3.5 inch drive in it. And yes, I know there's converters like this all over the place for very cheap. However, so is this. So this is just one of those awesome things that I really wanted to highlight because it kind of encompasses everything I love about this community and the cool nerdy stuff that we do. So first it solves a problem that allows you to mount the drive into an Xbox, but still allows you to route the cables properly. And it's just kind of a a cool thing to have installed in there. But also if you wanna just 3D print your own, Todd has released the file for yourself. So that way, you know, I think anybody with a 3D printer is always looking for an excuse to use it. So here you go. But if you just want to spend pretty much the same amount of money you'd have spent on Amazon, but also help out the community and get something cool looking with the X emblem in the middle, you could just buy it right from Stone Age Gamer. So this is just one of those things that I wanted to share because it's not, you know, no offense, Todd, but this isn't exactly revolutionary and game changing, but it's freaking awesome. And it's it's kind of one of those everybody wins scenarios. I also dropped links to recommended SSDs and hard drives in there, but use whatever you got. I just kind of put those in there for reference in case you happen to want one. And of course it's an affiliate link because I'm not a moron, but uh, really I just kind of wanted to share Todd's design because I thought it was pretty neat. Pre-orders are now open for the next Remute album called Decoder, which is based on the 1984 cyberpunk movie of the same name. The game is available digitally through Bandcamp, or you could purchase a Genesis Mega Drive cartridge and even a seven inch vinyl record. It's scheduled for release on March 29th, and one track is immediately available during pre-order. So if you're new to the channel and you haven't kind of followed any of Remute's work, uh, Remute is a musician that I interviewed a while back, which of course the interview is linked down here for anybody's interesting uh, interested. Who creates music on original consoles and releases them on the original media. Now Remute also did some pretty awesome music before that, but recently the the past few years have been focused on having video games that that is how you listen to the music. Of course, you could just buy it digitally. You can get you know throw it on your cell phone if you'd like to, but The experience of being able to put in something like a Sega Genesis cartridge into your original Model 1 or other models of it and listen to music that's generated by the console is kind of unique and interesting, and I absolutely love it because I I actually like a whole bunch of remute songs. It was very obvious during the interview when I fanboyed out, but it's also, it's not just the music, it's the experience. And this is just one of those, like, there's no wrong answer thing. Maybe you just don't care that you listen on original consoles and you download the digital versions because you still like the songs. Maybe you only listen on your original console through maybe a very awesome two-channel audio setup because you just want something unique and different. Or maybe you you just don't like the music and it's not your thing. It's all subjective. It's whatever you want to do, but I just love that he's doing all this stuff and hope that he doesn't stop. I also hope he dips his toe into some of the weirder stuff that we talked about in the interview at some point, but I'm really interested to see this, and I pre-ordered the vinyl Mega Drive cartridge version because of, of course I did, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, check out Crystal's post if you want more info and decide if you want to pre-order this one, but Remute certainly has a very cool track record and uh, has a bunch of very unique album releases on cartridges, so this is definitely worth your time to look into. This week's podcast is once again sponsored by JLCPCB, and this week I want to continue the PCB assembly process for the SCART cleaner that I had started two weeks ago, and this week I want to show the mistakes that I made and why we had trouble in checkout, why there were components missing, as well as why things were oriented the wrong way. So let's start off right before where we left off two weeks ago, where we had uploaded all of the files and now we're just kind of confirming the bill of materials. And two weeks ago, this same exact file had an error over here. I'll show the footage from last week, but it basically said that one part wasn't available for economic PCB assembly, it would have to get standard, but the part was correct. So we'll go back to that later, but I wanted to start off by showing that, but if we move on to the next section, we'll just go back and kind of bring you back up to speed. Not only did we have that one error that didn't make sense, but you could see that the audio jack and switches were rotated, even though their holes don't even line up. The ferrite beads were missing, the USB port was missing, and that is such a pain to solder yourself, so you're definitely going to want to make sure that you have that assembled, and the VGA port is missing. So... I went back in and thought, okay, this seems like a bill of materials issue. And it turns out it was the designator where what this is called out on the board itself. So FB1, FB2, USB1, those were all kind of messed up. So the USB power says J3, that should have been USB1, because that's what we have written on the board. The ferrite beads one and two somehow the designator and comment got reversed so these would actually have to go here and same thing with the vga connector that says j1 but that was actually labeled something else so it turns out that the issues that we see here with the parts missing were my fault i don't know how the bill of materials got messed up because i would successfully ordered these before but you know what it happens also what we had found is that one of these components i can't remember which so let's just pick, uh, you know, let's just pick this 680k resistor right here. One of these components had said that it was not available, uh, and I had to switch to standard manufacturing if I wanted that, which is more expensive, and it required a few other different changes that didn't really make any sense. But the part that it called out last week was correct in the bomb, and it was listed as an 0603 component. So it turned out to just be a bug in their system, which is further proven by the fact that we uploaded the same files this week and didn't get that error. So you could go and try to contact JLCPCB, but if it's just a standard component like that was, you could also just change the component to one that's the exact same size, shape, and uh, in different specs, but just a different brand. And that's what I ended up doing. So here's that same page, but with the updated bill of materials. And we see the audio jack, We see all of the different components, the USB power switch, we see the VGA input here, and we don't see any errors on the side. So that looks like we're good to go just by updating the bill of materials. And as the PCB loads, you could also see that the components are now all populated. The VGA port is there the USB ports there, the ferrite beads, and everything except the SCART port, which once again, if you're making small quantity assemblies, I would never ask one of these companies to stock something like a SCART port. You're just gonna have to get your own. I'm sure if you made a 100 or more, they would get it for you. However, we still have the same weird error where the different components here, the switches and the audio jack are turned sideways. So of course, I immediately thought did something else get messed up? If I could have screwed up the bill of materials, did I screw up anything else? But as you can see here, or if you're listening, I'll describe it on, for audio-only listeners, the easy EDA file where this was created shows everything oriented perfectly. And also, in the website itself, after we've uploaded the file, you could see how the holes don't even line up. If we switch to a 3D view and move this component around, you can see that the audio jack... Is kind of just jammed through the PCB, not lined up to the holes. Same thing with the switches up here. So I think this is a bug in their 3D modeling, which as long as it's made correctly, I don't really care at all. I just wanted to point this out because the point of me doing these ads is really to help other people who are going down the same road. So I would say if you're doing a small run, like I'm making only five of these just to test out all of the components in the bill of materials, I would just have it made because there's no physical way that these things could fall into place the way that they are. If you're making a run of a hundred or, you know, I guess even significant quantities lower than that, it might be worth emailing them just to double check. But the fact that we're using easy EDA and all of these components look fine in the design and they don't look fine here, I think this is just a bug and hopefully they'll get that worked out. But everything else looks okay. All of the other components are here. So let's circle back in a week or two whenever they arrive and see if we actually nailed it, or if I messed something else up. Insurrection Industries is now selling a fully shielded S-Video cable for the Sega Saturn that performs absolutely excellent. Please stick around for the first part of this, I'll do a mini review after, but what you really need to hear, regardless of the console that you're plugging it into, is if you're using an unshielded S-Video cable, it may actually be worse than composite video in certain scenarios. I showed this by accident in a previous live stream where I tested this, but when you have a composite video cable, all of the interference is in the signal inherently and everything kind of folds into itself and it's that blurry mess that I think looks pretty beautiful on a composite depending on the graphics uh, and, and of the console that you're using. And you know, sort of looks okay on flat panels depending. But when you have an unshielded S video cable, you end up with a very weird effect that it ends up where you get a little bit more sharpness, but you also get a checkerboarding pattern in the background, but there's not enough softness that it blends into itself. So when I was testing unshielded cables, it's actually worse than composite video in a few of the scenarios that I had tested. So it is super important that when you're getting an S video cable for any console, that you make sure that it is properly shielded like this one the price is 25 bucks plus shipping they're currently in stock and they should be compatible with anything that uses a saturn mini din with the correct pinout which means all models of the sega saturn uh, at least ntsc i don't know about pal but i think pal should work as well and any of those like mr cases with the saturn mini dins on them Um, So that's the basic info I'll skip to uh, I'll I'll now move along to a little bit more of a review not a very long one But if you don't care about this you could skip to the next section But I really wanted everybody to hear the whole shielded unshielded thing Uh, The next thing I'd like everybody to know before I talk about the quality is that Some of the unshielded S video cables. I bought were just very cheap Aliexpress ten dollar cables and some of them were fancy name-brand cables that were actually the same thing. They very clearly came from the same factory. You cut them open. It's the same lack of shielding. The cables looked the same. So just because something has a fancy name brand on it does not necessarily mean that it is shielded. So if you look at this and you go, 25 bucks, oh, there's one with a fancy name on it for 14 on Amazon. Why am I wasting $10? That's why, because most likely... All the ones that are mass produced out there right now, other than this one, are probably going to be junk. Uh, Now, as for the performance of this cable, the audio lines were each individually shielded, as well as both the Y and C, Luma and Chroma, inside the S-Video side of things, which resulted in full shielding and minimal interference. So if you're watching this on video right now, I'm showing one of those unshielded S-Video cables that has a bunch of checkerboard patterns in the light blue background, however, when I scroll over to the Insurrection Industries one, you could see that there is no checkerboarding and it's a sharper image. So overall, I mean, that should be enough proof, but also the image wasn't as blown out. It looked right, the cables were the proper impedance. So it's it, there's just a bunch of little other reasons why you wanna buy the right cable. And of course, less hum and buzz on the audio lines. Analog audio sitting next to analog video is always going to have some kind of ground floor to it, but having properly shielded cables reduces hum, especially when bright screens are on. So overall, I would say that these are my new go-to cables. Now, I just want to be fair to other manufacturers. There are absolutely people out there that manufacture S-video cables for the Saturn in smaller quantities, but it's impossible for one person to hand make Quality cables and keep them in stock in the same level that somebody who's mass producing these cables are. So, you know, I would say these are my recommended ones, but by saying that, I'm not discounting every other seller out there. If you happen to find one in stock from somebody with a good reputation that shows proof that their cables are shielded, then I'm sure those will be fine as well. But I did beat the hell out of these, because Matt and Tony are perfectionists, the people who run Insurrection Industries, and they would be very disappointed in me if I wasn't very harsh on these cables. But I was, and they passed every test I threw at it. Uh, They were nice and snug in the DIN. Not too snug, but they weren't loose. They weren't dropping signal. Same with the RCA and S-Video connectors themselves. So overall, these are my new go-tos. I highly recommend them for anything with a Sega Saturn Mini DIN and uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to make enough to constantly have stock of them because I think this is definitely going to be people's go-to. Next up is a review of another Sega Saturn cable, but this one's a little bit different, and it might not be for everybody, but it's only 10 bucks, it's available from Amazon, and it's pretty unique, so maybe stick around and hear about it, or not. You're always welcome to skip to the next section. But This is essentially a Sega Saturn RGB composite cable, but instead of a SCART head, they break it out to RCA cables. So imagine in your head, a sync on composite video SCART cable. That's essentially what this is, but instead of the SCART head, each of the individual lines have RCA connectors. So it's very easy to look at this and go, oh, is that component video? But it is not, it's just simply RGB over RCA. So why would you need that at all? My uh, my guess is the most common use would be RGB monitors. Now, there are other scenarios like scalers or certain switches where you might wanna break them out this way, but I think the number one use case would be for people using PVMs or people using misters with the Sega Saturn DIN. So let me walk through these two use cases and kind of just hopefully put this into perspective. I just wanna be very clear, these are RGB cables. These are not component video cables, but anyway, um, What I think would be probably the most common use case is plugging them into your RGB monitor and using the composite video line as sync, which that was basically what all of sync was in SCART cables for a while, and it really was us in the gaming world that kind of switched that around to different things. But if you're using any RGB monitor, you take the BNC adapters that came for free with this cable, you plug them into the RGB and sync inputs of your monitor, and then plug these into them. And that's essentially just plugging an RGB cable in, but without one of those SCART adapters. So why wouldn't you just get a SCART cable and an adapter? Well, I have a theory about that as well. As I've shown in a couple of different videos, including ones about the Sega Saturn, the two D graphics games I think personally look amazing in, uh, with RGB, and I wouldn't choose anything else. But a lot of those games that have three D graphics and that the the. the it, The demonstration that I always use is Nights into Dreams, but those 3D graphics games often relied on the blending that composite video had in order to get those effects to look like transparencies. So if that was the case, you would just then need to unplug the cable from sync, plug it into your composite video input, And switch the input on your monitor and by doing that you should just be able to have a very simple way to switch back and forth between rgb and composite video which if you're a big fan of the saturn you have you know if you like a wide variety of games on the library i think that would actually be awesome now i've been talking to keith rainey it's possible That you could just use a loopback and have a cable connecting it so you could connect sync to composite video but that's definitely going to depend on your monitor it might differ per model and you certainly don't want to double down on any of the any of the um uh resistance on the line i'm I'm just not sharp today at all am i huh so i guess experts only you could do a loopback until we kind of dig in and see the uh the different effects but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you're still going to have to press your input button. So reaching behind and, and plugging the cable into your composite video port shouldn't be that big of a deal. So. You know, like I opened this section with, this cable isn't going to be for everybody, but I guarantee there's a handful of people listening that go, I direct connect my consoles to my monitor and this is the perfect way to have a shielded cable where all I got to do is switch between inputs and stuff and not have to buy multiple cables, try to find a shielded composite cable so my audio lines don't buzz. So that's a pretty good use case. Now, if you're using a mister with a Saturn DIN, this could actually pass component video through. But you have to remember, this is not a function of the cable. The cable very simply just passes the signal from the Mini DIN to the RCA connectors. You still have to go into your MR, you have to change it, at the INI file, and I think there's a dip switch setting on the Retro Castle one in order to enable component video output. So this is not a functionality of the cable, but just the the inherent use case of it passes RGB through means now you could take that Saturn Mini or the, yeah, the Mister with the Saturn Mini DIN and use it for RGB, S video, composite video, and component video. Obviously, you would need separate cables for S-Video, but that's just something that you might want to purchase if you have one of those Retro Castle cases, or I think there's a few others that use it. So two very specific use cases. This thing is not for everybody, but it's 10 bucks. It seems to be well-shielded. It performed great, and I think it's something that if you think maybe you need one, then it's probably worth picking up. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. Since there's twice the info this week, I'm going to skim it even more than I normally would. I know that sounds counterproductive, but I just think it's best if people want the details to go directly to lose video, but I'm just going to touch upon a couple of things and uh, hopefully get everybody brought up to speed. First, Wickerwaka is currently documenting the IRM M92 hardware, which means you could get games like R-Type Leo and, of course, Ninja Baseball Batman, and uh, that is obviously something that's going to be far out if it's just at the documenting the hardware point of view, but that's something nice to look forward to. Also, Antonio Villain is now selling an arcade joystick with a spinner Uh, but as with all arcade sticks the size of it size of your hands you know all of that comes into play so check it out and see if it's going to be something you're interested in but Antonio claims it's a low latency and uses Sanwa buttons and a joystick also mr. add-ons has been working on a reflex adapter uh, which allows you to connect multiple original controllers over USB and respectfully, this is something that I think really should have its own video. It looks awesome. It seems like it's got a bunch of very neat features. So if you want to see a quick demo, please check out Lou's video. But I'm just going to say it looks really cool. And hopefully I could do some sort of video or stream with it at some point. Uh, next the zane selena core is getting an update to not require the use of two cores when using the 60 hertz option we talked about that over the past few weeks so if you like that game that's going to make things easier there's also a new release of the playstation core with some extra features and a bunch more bug fixes and as always if you want to read some really amazing technical documentation and stories please sign up for robert's patreon uh, Darren O oh has also added some new games to the Alpha Densi Core and Time, Sol- Time Soldiers and Sky Soldiers. So, if you just use Update All, you should be able to get all of that. Also, Hotego released a new core for the arcade game Chelnov. It's in beta now, so as usual, it's available to Patreon subscribers only. But um, as soon as the core is kind of fleshed out, it'll be available to everybody also the developer Pramod, who has also who previously brought us the rising core is working on cores for narc and smash tv and at the moment the cpu is 90 percent reverse engineered and done so that's pretty awesome and getting that cpu done could also lead to other games that many of us love so props to them uh just so appreciative to all the developers that work on bringing us this stuff Next, Anton Gale released cores for Slap Fight and Tiger Healy, and there's also plans to bring the rest of the games that run on that same hardware. Hotego um, also released a 2022 summary of everything that they'd worked on and Holy crap, there was a lot. (laughs) Uh, Pierco has released a beta core for the game Crazy Blocks to his Patreon subscribers. Um, So if you want to check that one out, check out his Patreon. And then there's also been a ton of miscellaneous updates to the Atari 2678 core, Neo Geo, and uh, Mike Simone's Uh, System 16 composite video cores as well. So, as usual, thanks so much to Lou for doing all of these. If you want all of the great details of this week, please check out his video, and uh, we'll kind of swing back to a little bit more normal of a me rambling on about this next week. I just released a video about my newly rediscovered love for two-channel audio, and it's one of those things that... I don't think anybody would be surprised by the conclusions that I came to, but sometimes with stuff like this, you just need it put into perspective and you need to see an example or hear a story, which is exactly what this whole video is about. As with all of my videos and guides that are focused on audio, it is subjective and your budget is going to be a giant part of it. Cause while I'm very proud that I have made things that are a grand sound better than much more expensive stereos, if you spend a lot of money on really good speakers in an amp, you're gonna just blow away anything at a much lower price range. So I do recommend that people watch this just for fun, but here's the basic theory. If you have a grand to spend, spending a thousand bucks on one amp that powers five speakers, and five satellite speakers to go with it, that quality of speaker and quality of amp is gonna be probably fine, but if you spend that same grand on two really nice bookshelf speakers, nice for the price, and a really nice two-channel amp, you're probably gonna get a lot better quality sound out of just those two speakers because that's where you put all of your money into, two good quality speakers. So obviously, if you love surround sound and you love having the effects around you, that's dumb and don't do it <laughs> but i if you really listen to things that benefit from 2.0 audio like Old video games or even modern TV shows, most of them don't have crazy surround effects. Doing this is probably going to be an upgrade from that same amount of money spent on a 5.1 setup. And also, while soundbars absolutely have their place, especially when it comes to space and aesthetics, there is absolutely no chance in hell you're going to spend the same amount of money on a soundbar that you would on two nice speakers and an amp and get better sound out of the soundbar. Some exceptions, of course, I've had. Had some friends tell me about some crazy deals they got where they got a $1,500 sound bar for 500 bucks on some super clearance. It was dinged in the box sale. I'm just talking about normal. You go to a store or you go on Amazon or something. It is almost impossible to get a sound bar or especially like Bluetooth speakers that'll sound just as good as two nice bookshelves or towers and a really nice two channel amp. And like I talked about with my other, you know, my surround sound setup video, you could always just start out with two nice speakers, and then just go get any amp. Go to a thrift store, go get some vintage equipment that's totally analog, and start with that, then upgrade your amp, or maybe skip over and get, like I talked about in that video, a surround amp, but that has really good two-channel features, and then slowly add speakers to it. Either way, my push for making sure that you start with good two-channel audio I don't think people are going to be able to convince me otherwise. And oddly enough, almost everybody seems to agree with me on this one, too. So I'm used to a lot more pushback, which means I must have hit a sweet spot for, for audio discussions here. But, you know, unless you have a very specific use case, I really am sticking to my guns about being able to take your same budget and just start with two good speakers and go from there. I think is going to be beneficial to most people depending on your room setup what you're doing with it yada 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 so please check out the video please let me know what you think Um, you know i always listen to everybody's opinions i'm always interested to what people say and also a few people have been able to recommend more modern two-channel amps meaning it has features like arc or eARC and modern hdmi protocol compatibility but just same theory of two individual amplifiers for the two speakers that you're connecting so you're basically putting all of that money into two really good amps rather than one amp that that kind of divvies the power up over five so let me know what you think developer master linkwai along with billy time games and yo Soy nacho have just released an arcade edition rom hack for the 32x version of mortal kombat 2. If you're a fan of MK2 and you like the 32X and you have the ability to play 32X games, this is a must play. The video that was posted has links to everything that you need to download in it, plus a demo of the game. And also, there are two versions available. There's the standard 32X version, uh, which you need to rename to .32X if you want to use it on a mister. No big deal. And there's also an MSUMD release, which includes the arcade music. So if you're using something like the Mega Everdrive Pro, you'd be able to play this game with the original MK2 arcade soundtrack, which is pretty nuts. Um, so there are way too many uh, fixes and additions and changes to, to go about in here. I could probably fill a full video with them, but please check out the post if you're interested in seeing exactly what's changed. But there's just so many cool features and so many cool additions to this. And for me personally, I will be using this on my arcade machine because there's no loading time on the 32X. So I will be able to fire up the 32X core and start playing a very capable version of MK2 basically immediately. The one thing that you don't get on the MiSTer is the MSUMD soundtrack. And if there's any MiSTer developers out there listening, can you uh, maybe take some, a moment to post in the comments as to why? Because it's either one of two things. It's either SRG320 just hasn't had time to add it yet because they're working on way more important things like the Saturn core. So that's totally cool. No, no, uh, you know, no, no disrespect there. But is there a technical limitation? Is the, the, the 32X core too big for that plus the MSU MD audio to be able to fit into it? Because having original arcade soundtracks in those arcade ports would be pretty neat. Or alternative soundtracks and stuff like that. Um, you know, I just think that there's a lot of very cool options that that opens up. And heck, uh, maybe somebody would even be able to use that to port like a 32X CD game over... Um, rather than have them do a core like that, maybe we could use the CD quality audio, and, and I don't really know. That's just a random guess. I get no clue what I'm talking about with that one, but I'm just kind of pontificating because the 32X is a finicky beast. I've never owned one that consistently worked right, and I've owned a lot. I hear a lot of people say they've, theirs has always worked fine, and you know, that's nice, but mine haven't. So (laughs) I'm a little bit jealous, not going to lie. So using Mr. for me is absolutely my go-to for 32X um, for when I really want to sit down gaming session, not doing some analysis or some fun experiment. So if anybody would mind just kind of chiming in and letting us know, is it possible to eventually add this in? Is it a technical thing? Do we just have to be patient and wait for uh, for other more important things to be done first? But either way, I think the most important thing is that if you're a fan of MK2 and you have the ability to play a 32X ROM, you need to check this out because Master Linkoi did a phenomenal job and this is really cool to look at. Before I go, I just want to give a kind of short overview on my retro RGB goals for 2023, just to kind of keep everybody in the loop, but also to take your suggestions. Because if you think I'm going down the wrong path, or if you have something that you want added on to this, so many of the very cool things I've done came from you, which is why I want to talk about it here. But if you don't care, just drop off. There's going to be nothing after this. But I think my goal for the first part of 2023 is going to be to update the website itself. And it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing, because if I don't spend enough attention on YouTube, I don't get the promotion that I need, need, because YouTube is basically the best promotional tool for the website, which also means I don't make enough money to be able to pay my bills. So it's kind of like a chicken and the egg thing of, you know, the website is what's going to last the longest, and that's what's been so much of a help to so many people, because everything you need is right there. But if I stop doing YouTube stuff and focus on that, then I drop income. So it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things that I got to just kind of figure out how to do it. So um, I'm probably not gonna do too many fancier videos in the next few months. I'm gonna try. There's at least one or two that I really wanna do. Uh both because I think you would think it's interesting, but both cause I just really want to. <laughs> but I'm gonna try to focus on getting the website updated, getting the guides Redirected over to the wiki, so that would help build the wiki's popularity. So people understand that's where you go for the you know the tech stuff now. But I also want to redo the flow of each of the sections, so people could go in and be like, "I got a Super Nintendo. All right, here's the cables I need. Here's all of the awesome homebrew stuff that's available for it, and really kind of dig into that as well. Um, and then. I'm also going to be doing a little more of a push on social media because it's just a a time thing for me to spend a little bit more time each week on fancy thumbnails for this video. Shout out to Mason Conrad for helping me with that, of course. Adding some hashtags and stuff. And also, every time I do any other kind of mini-review, maybe I'm going to be doing like a one-minute TikTok-style video where I just promote the mini-review and say, here's the full live stream. if you want the boring version. Check out this week's podcast at... Timestamp one two three four five. If you want the short review here, and try to promote stuff that way, and see if that helps. That might be a massive failure, and if it starts to get annoying, please let me know. But don't just be like this is annoying. Tell me why. I also think I'm not going to do YouTube Shorts uh, because that just seems to piss off people, and it, I get no views on those. But if you think I'm wrong, definitely jump in because I've heard a lot of people say that you have to do those if you want to continue to get promoted in the algorithm who knows what's true or not anymore. I, I don't really know. But so that's basically it. i have to concentrate on the website. I have to concentrate on making sure that I still promote everything so I could still be able to do this. Otherwise, you know, it's, I want to do this for as long as I can. I really do love it. I love helping developers. I love helping people out that I'm able to point in the direction of the stuff that they need. And it's really just, it's very enjoyable for me. So, you know, while I've certainly had opportunities to, to jump ship and do other stuff, I don't want to. So uh, also, um, as a result of me having to spend more time trying to dig into the website, I'm probably going to miss even more weekly posts than I already have. So if anybody wants to step up, we have like a pool of stuff that is that we would like to write articles on. But please keep in mind that everybody who contributes donates their time out of their love for this community so it's you know everybody has lives and families and jobs and their own hobbies so every single post that's on this site that's not mine I truly truly appreciate and I just have so much love for the contributors so if you feel like throwing your hat into the ring I would really appreciate that even for just one-offs like uh, Drew found some of the source code for MK2, and I've been trying to keep up with those live streams, but there's like five hours of live streams, and I don't have the time to watch those and put it into a post. So maybe some of the MK Plus crew would donate their time, even people in that awesome Discord over there. So anything you could do to help promote other people would be amazing. Um, I'm going to try to continue to do the tech... Um, the tech-focused stuff that I do because I think I'm good at it and I think that there aren't a lot of other people approaching it the way I do. So I'm basically going to stick to what I'm good at, stick to what I know, and jump in when there's other stuff out there. But if you have anybody that out there that wants to help contribute, and you know, even if it's just on rare occasion, feel free to step on up. We are all perfectionists and very picky. So you know, please keep that in mind. We're all respectful, but we're all pretty... You know pretty picky about the stuff that we post and how we format so definitely no copy and paste jobs here we everybody that contributes does an amazing job and you know i know that's kind of a rude thing to say hey please help if you want to but make sure you're good enough it's a a douchebag thing to say but i'll own it because every other one of the contributors has done an amazing job as well so so i guess that pretty much sums it up website social media promotion cross my fingers to make sure i could continue to do this for the rest of the year and maybe even next year too so as always, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, but also, and especially people who just spread the word about this and who mention things like, oh, yeah, you know, this was a big help, but that, you know, if you, if you like it, sign up for float, pain or float Plane or Patreon so that you could keep going. Or, hey, I don't have the money to, to subscribe to people every month, but I'm just going to use that Amazon or that eBay link to buy the same exact thing I was going to buy anyway at the same price, but we could help. Continue retro RGB going by giving them a few pennies or something off of each purchase. So thank you to everybody who keeps this going. I, I truly mean that, and I want to continue to do this for as long as I can. So thank you all very much. Uh, there won't be any lengthy rants like this about you know about the future, maybe in the Q and A's, but I'll keep them out of the weeklies, uh, weekly roundups. I just kind of wanted to paint a picture for 2023 and cross our fingers to hope that I could make it awesome. <laughs>